Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. If you're new here, here's how we do things. I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen and you enjoy. For today's episode, we're going to be doing a full breakdown of the first three episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. That's the new Boba Fett-centric series out on Disney+. Plus. If you're a big Star Wars fan like me, you've been long awaiting something like this. Of course, it was a weird release strategy for it to come, kind of in the wake of The Mandalorian, but hey, I'm all here for it. We're doing episodes one, two, and three today. Let's roll the intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. Episode one kicks things off with a very interesting kind of storytelling strategy for the Boba character. We immediately cut back way back into the into history where, you know, where we first meet Boba Fett, you know, in Star Wars history, he is consumed by uh, a beast in the Sarlacc pick, you know, and we at the time didn't know if he was going to survive or perish in that situation. We pick right up there inside the belly of the beast where he's just managing to survive. There's actually another assumably Mandalorian person in there with the Mandalorian gear. And he actually ends up using, you know, taking his armor and using that to escape. He just barely escapes. He just makes it to the surface of the sand dunes of Tatooine. And he just passes out unconscious there. He ends up being taken by the Tusken Raiders, something... You know, we've seen that faction around in Star Wars for a lot. You know, we've seen them a lot. And they've been relegated kind of just to the background. They don't ever really affect the plot in any big way. They just are one of the factions that exist within this world. However, we really in this whole season, but especially in this episode, we we get a deep dive into their culture and get to see kind of how they do things. They end up taking Boba on as their prisoner And that kind of sets the stakes, you know, that's our first establishing kind of narrative of where he finds himself fresh out of that situation where he first met his character. We then cut back to real life. So what what I was alluding to with the interesting narrative strategy is, and this has been consistent for all first three episodes, is we're we're cutting back and forth between the narrative of his history, where how he survived and how he managed to get to where he is today, and then cutting back to current time where Boba is now in charge of Tatooine. He's kind of taken over Jabba the Hutt's position on Tatooine and navigating what that position looks like for him. Of course, when we do cut back to real time, he is aided by his partner in crime, Finnick. I'm interested to see where Finnick's kind of origin stories into Boba's life are or kind of what happened there. Whenever whenever we first met Boba's character in the Mandalorian series, he was accompanied by Finnick already. She's a great number two, and the their dynamic overall is powerful. They, you know, she doesn't miss a beat, and she's just as capable as Boba Fett is. I'm just really interested to see. I hope they give us an answer this season where she kind of came from. But in this in this scenario where he's controlling Tatooine, she's his right hand man, does everything he tells him to, and you know g- takes orders and also is an aide and gives advice to him as well. In real time, there, you know, citizens of Tatooine are coming to pay tribute to Boba. This is a ritual to kind of establish, you know, the fact that he is the dominant presence now and to kind of pay respects in that way. Uh, early on, we're greeted by a diplomat character. I, 
excuse me because I am a Star Wars fan, but my, I'm not the biggest fan in the world, and my Star Wars terminology is a little bit off. But this this diplomat character is a member of the race of aliens that have those long kind of tentacles or tendrils or whatever they're called at the back of their heads. It's a they're a little bit off putting, but this character really pops off screen. I don't know what actor is pulling off this performance, but his comedy and the way that he navigates his diplomacy is really well done, super funny, and he pops off screen every time he's on screen. Lucky for us, he's there for all three episodes, but he's there on the on the behalf of the mayor of Tatooine, and this mayor so far is kind of this, um, this weird force who is not really working with Boba. He has a bit of power in this community, and hasn't fully signed on to the allegiance of Boba. And and this episode, by sending a diplomat in his place, he's kind of letting him know that very early on, that he's not going to play by Boba's rules necessarily. Of course, there's a little bit of tension in, in how Boba chooses to handle these types of situations. Earlier on in the episode, we see these two uh, pig-type characters. I really don't know what else to call them, except for they're these anthropomorphic pigs walking around with battle axes in their hands. Um, in the wake of Boba taking over everything, you know, their leader was killed and the rest of their group was, but they refused to turn themselves in. They were loyal to the very end. And Fennec's advice is to go ahead and kill them, you know, show, and, and that'll also double as an act of showing what your dominance is. You know, Tatooine is a pretty scrappy place and you have to show that you're willing to cut heads off in order to establish dominance, or so they thought. Boba's answer to this, however, is, you know, you guys were very loyal to your previous leader. If I spare your lives, will you be loyal to me? This is an act of mercy on Boba's part. An act of mercy, but also a calculated act, because he does shake a chance on them, and throughout the rest of the season, we see that they are super loyal. So I think that he did make a good call here, and even though these characters don't actually speak any English, so we don't get any real dialogue from them, their overall presence is appreciated, and I kind of like them as being part of our main group here. Back over in Tatooine, uh, you know, back in back in the past, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to refer to that time as being back with the Tusken Ranger, Rain, Rangers. And back there, he's still a prisoner, and what we see is actually a, one of the kid members of their culture, of the Tusken Rangers, uh, taking Boba and another prisoner out far to basically scavenge for extra water, I believe is what they're kind of looking for. The Tusken Rangers have lived their whole life in hiding out in the depths of the sand. And basically their whole philosophy is that they get by by hiding and laying low, not getting in people's ways. They're basically scavengers, if we're being honest. And while they're scavenging for water there, uh, a big crazy monster ends up coming out of the pits of the sand. This monster is so weird looking and one of the, I mean, obviously Star Wars loves to give us a host of weird and cool looking aliens, but this is one of the more unique ones I've seen on this series or in this universe as a whole. He's got all these legs. He's really big. He's just one of the cooler, interesting ones. And it seems like he's going to wreak havoc and kill everybody that's there and present. And Boba actually ends up protecting everyone, or at least the little kid that's there. I think the other prisoner ends up perishing, but... Boba in a very impressive way in in his chains you know he's still handcuffed at this point ends up taking down the beast on uh, by himself uh, the two of them end up taking the head of the beast back to the overall group where they all can celebrate this is clearly a beast that has given them some kind of trouble in the past he protects the kid and the him and the kid come back in glorious triumph and the village people there you know the rest of the Tuscans they do celebrate the 
they celebrated as if the kid did it. And you know, again, we don't know what they're saying. So we're, you're left to interpret a lot of the subtext that's happening in these interactions. However, the leader of the group does end up giving a firm head nod to Boba and giving him a bit of water to drink. A small signal that he's starting to take them on as equals just a little bit more at this point. Right before the episode ends, a group of assassins attempt to take out Boba Fett. However, with the help of the pig knights, he actually ends up getting out of the situation. And with Finnick being a total badass, she really reminds us at the end of this episode why she's so cool. Her character, I forgot how much of an impression she made in that first season, but here she is again and she chased them down with, it's like light work to her. And she, they end up capturing one of the assassins to get more information out of him in episode two. The way that they end up getting information out of this assassin in episode two was really impressive. And again, Fennec is just popping off here. She basically ends up bluffing and acting as if they're, they're about to send the assassin down to a big monster that's going to eat him alive. He, and he holds his ground firmly up until the point where he actually feels like that's about to happen. And then he reveals that it is the mayor who's behind it. Excellent tactic to pull that off. I thought they, they definitely did something unique with that scene. That's kind of a tactic I haven't seen exactly before, like an ultimate bluff like that. But yeah, so that's, that's the stakes of what we're going to be battling in this episode is, you know, getting after the mayor. When they do approach the mayor, we get another scene with that same diplomat tendril guy. <laughs> and of course, he's funny again. I enjoy seeing him on screen. And then we actually go and encounter the mayor and his intentions are revealed a little bit here. He actually plays it very cool and keeps his cards very close to his chest. But he had been, he essentially ends up telling Boba that the answers that he seeks are back at the bar. And by bar, I do mean the famous cantina. Yes, we are spending a lot of time there this season, and I'm all there for it. One of the more interesting things that we get treated to this season gets introduced in this episode as well. And that's the twin Jabba's that are coming to take their claim to the land of Tatooine, essentially. In the absence of Jabba the Hutt, you know, now Boba Fett has stepped in place. However, they heard about this and they're here to come get their stuff back. Seeing them on screen was certainly delightful. They're such a weird little duo to add, uh, add into the world of Star Wars to enrich in it, kind of. I like their little catchphrase that they only do things that are good for business as they... Uh, the only reason they don't incite violence against Boba right then and there is because it would have been bad for business. They're definitely funny, and I wouldn't mind seeing them pop up a few more times throughout the season. This is also where we get the introduction of a black Chewbacca. I mean, he looks sick as hell. He's like this sick warrior, bounty hunter, gladiator type of figure. And he's super menacing. He's bigger than everybody. He's everything we saw out of Chewbacca with with an attitude. And... <laughs> clearly uh, a stronger willingness to be brutal and I mean this is the black representation we need in big budget things like Star Wars I appreciate it you know what I mean all jokes aside he is a very interesting character and he pops off screen visually like right off the bat and they end up playing with this character more in episode three so I'm excited to see where his character ends up going by the end of the season we cut back to the Tusken Raiders uh you know plot line of the past and this is where things really start getting interesting. They were they were cool and intriguing in the first episode, but episode two really makes you kind of fall in love with their group and the overall dynamic that Boba has been able to strike with them in this time. He He's still kind of traveling with them, and at this point, I still think he is a prisoner, but they're not treating him like that as much. He's kind of just following along with them. You know, in the first episode, it really feels like they, he is their prisoner, 
But slowly but surely, the kind of arc that he follows with this group is that he starts off as prisoner, then he kind of gets accepted enough to kind of travel with the child. You know, that's his kind of first outing was to be on kind of the same level as a child or right beneath that child in terms of the power rankings, at least. And then slowly but surely, he kind of weeds his way into being accepted, you know. And in this episode, it starts with him learning how to do their fighting culture. Uh, He picks up the unique sticks that they have, and you see the different people teaching him the different movements and how to engage in their type of battle. Super satisfying to see, and it's displaying his character how he wants to learn and adapt as much as possible. He's always willing to take on a new challenge, and we see him getting excited by that as well. He is more so loyal to respect, I, is the difference between him and, let's say, the Mandalorian character, because I think the Mandalorian character has a high moral compass, right? That's one of his defining characteristics. He will kind of always try to do what's good. At least that's where his character starts going towards. And that is still somewhat present with the Boba Fett character. However, I think that his is more based on respect. If he feels like he can respect you as a man or a fighter or whatever it is you do, then he will treat you with that respect and expect it back. He does fight for the underdog, but he's also not willing to pay his revenge tenfold, as we see him do multiple times throughout this season, especially in episode two against uh, the Tuscan's enemies. Their enemies end up just murking them casually as they're pulling through on their bullet train through the desert. And Boba Fett is present for this just after he started to become close with everyone. And he is present for them dying, and he's present for the funeral. And at the end of the funeral, he he makes a promise that if he lets them leave for the night, he will come back, and when he returns, he will have stopped the train, essentially. His plan doesn't go exactly according to plan, but what happens next is so intriguing. He goes to a bar, beats up a bunch of dudes, and steals a bunch of motorcycles, essentially. He pulls them back, and these are flying motorcycles, you know. This is Star Wars, for, uh, for sure. And he basically promises to start teaching the Tuscans how to use it. And they, they're very reluctant to it at first. It's clear that they don't use this kind of technology ever. They're not familiar with it at all. Their first instinct is actually to break it all apart and use it for spare parts. So it was funny seeing the training montage between all of them and watching them grow with their comfortable ability, <laughs> with their comfort level of using the machines it was it was nice and rewarding to see and the wholesome relationship and the bonding that's happening between Boba and this group. I really like to see it. He's really becoming one of them. However, over some time, they all get pretty good on those bikes. And the next time they see the train, they take their plan into action. And at this point, Boba seems to have risen the ranks into being their actual leader, at least as it pertains to this this event going on the assault for the train. He is their leader and he's calling all the shots. So essentially, they they have a, a, a double plan. The first part of the plan is to go have a lookout to be basically uh, a warning for whenever the train comes into a certain area. So that way the kid can give the signal and they can start shooting them from a different vantage point. Meanwhile, our main fleet is going in on the bikes to launch a full-scale raid directly onto the train. It was a very awesome action sequence. I thought that this was absolutely movie quality, and I couldn't believe that it was coming this early in this season. The, the way that they got on the train and the different battles that they had on the train, everything about the movement, the direction, the camera shots, and even when you follow a specific Tuscan Raider move on 
through the inside of the train and just slipping by all his enemies was almost borderline cartoonic, but didn't cross the line where it was just delightful to watch. Of course, they do end up being victorious, and it's an overall huge success for the Tuscans and Boba, and it's the first time the Tuscans have really ever fought, fought back in any type of assault. At this point, Boba has been fully accepted by the Tuscans. They fully embrace him as being a member of their culture and society, and they trust him seemingly implicitly now. What we see next happen is, in their celebration, they're having a uh, a tribal get-together in a hut, and this is the trippiest thing I've seen out of Star Wars for sure, but the leader of their clan ends up uh, <laughs> for, yeah, he just ends up letting this lizard climb up his nose and then he sprinkles this specific kind of dust in his face. And what ensues is just, w- to put it straight, it's a trip. It's an acid trip for sure. Um, spiritual journey, uh, internal exploration, whatever you want to call it. Boba really goes through a lot of emotional growth in this sequence and Visually, it's one of the weirder, hallucination-like, trippy things we've ever been treated to in Star Wars. Something I'm really starting to appreciate in 2022, you know, with The Bad Batch, with Star Wars Visions, with the different movies that are coming out right now and different series that they're doing, I really like how wide-spanning Star Wars stories can be and how whatever you're watching, you might get treated to something totally unique in tone that feels different from anything you've seen before. The Mandalorian and Boba Fett both feel like Westerns, and I wouldn't think that I would have liked that out of a Star Wars story, but it works so well the way that they pull it off. And even in their sequences when they're doing, you know, these trippy these trippy scenes and everything like that, it still doesn't betray the tone of Star Wars while treating you to a completely unique experience within that world. Super interesting. Jumping ahead a little bit, we get uh, further further exemplifying what I just described is episode three. We go full on cyberpunk, which I'm excited to talk about, but we'll get there in just a minute. After Boba returns from his spiritual journey, he continues to learn all the ways of the sand people we're starting to call them now, I think is the more respectful way to refer to them. And he's following all their rituals, learning their culture, and he gets to make his own staff himself. And Again, at this point, he's fully embraced with them, and we end that flashback sequence on a note of them doing their ceremonial dance at night around a fire, led by Boba Fett himself. Uh, hats off, I think that the the specific plotline of him traveling with the Tuscans was just so well done. I really enjoyed it, and it was really beautiful to see, honestly. Later on, he does go to negotiate with their enemies, the people who were behind the train to begin with. And long story short, while he was doing that negotiation behind his back, the Tuscans got destroyed. And he unfortunately has to come home to the wreckage of all the people that he's just now accepted. If in a way, he's the only one to pass on their culture, at least of that specific tribe. Very sad to see, but it sets the stage for what we get with Boba in just a little bit here. So jumping into episode three, we're jumping back into the current day timeline and Boba basically is being challenged by his people that they there isn't enough respect for him. People don't respect you, so they're going to keep doing crimes. And Boba hears about this cyberkinetic gang that's basically causing trouble on the streets of his town. And essentially what all these people have in common is they're these young people that have replaced specific body parts of theirs with technology and like droid tech and have essentially become cyborgs that, you know, have certain areas of their lives that you could argue are performed enhancement-wise because technology is involved. Super interesting concept. I don't feel like I've really seen this in Star Wars so far, which is really surprising. 
it's definitely the most unique genre I've seen introduced into the star into the Star Wars meta. Even when you include stuff like what we got in in Star Wars Visions, which was you know anime and just totally out there, seeing this cyberpunk futuristic little it's a lot it's very colorful this gang uh it's it's definitely surreal to see and i'm not quite sure where i land on it if i'm being perfectly honest at times it feels a little bit cheesy but the characters that they do introduce are a little interesting while interacting with them essentially they you know boba hears the voices of the people because he's never come from royalty or anything like that he knows what it's like to you know be low on the ground and getting things done with your own hands they say there is no work, you know, they're, they're, we don't really have any options but to kind of live this type of lifestyle. And he said, if there's no work for you, then you can work for me. Again, this we've seen this we've seen this a couple of times with Boba Fett's character. He takes chances on people. He sees the value in them and their potential value versus what they're currently doing or what they've done in the past. He certainly follows the belief of it's not about what you've done, it's about what you're going to do. And uh, I definitely respect that. You know, again, he's a man of respect. He'll treat you with respect first and hope that you treat him back that way. Uh, but yeah, kind of getting them them in on his team was definitely a good call. Weird to see what his, you know, little tribe has fleshed out to be. A group of pigs and now cybernetic uh, teenagers. But, you know, he's got a cool little team developing here. Later on, we see Boba in his tank where he kind of goes to rest and heal every night. This is also the time where his mind wanders onto the past and when we're treated onto all those flashback sequences. However, his most recent flashback sequence is interrupted when Black Chewbacca pulls up and is literally ripping him out of his tank. This ensues. What follows is uh, a great action sequence where Boba holds his own against him for just a short amount of time, but the overwhelming power of Black Chewbacca just is off the charts. This character is so cool and so menacing. It takes his entire team, the cyber dudes, Fennec, the two pigs, it takes them all, including Boba, to fight him off and not even defeat him, but just get him to where he's trapped. <laughs> Who knows what would have happened if it was all at war. I do think that we're going to see an awesome battle scene with this character later on. We haven't seen that quite yet. We see him get mad and we know that he's very powerful, but I want to see him go head-to-head with somebody and have an epic battle. It, it's possible... Wait a minute. In the timeline of this universe, oh yes, it's very possible for Black Chewbacca and our boy Chewie to have a one-on-one fight. And that would, if we get treated to that some way, shape, or form, I'm all there for it. That would be amazing. Once they've managed to subdue the Black Chewbaccas, we see the return of the twin Jabba's. And this time they've come back to apologize, question mark, dot, dot, dot. Basically, they're saying they apologize for sending Black Chewbacca to assassinate them. Um, and, uh, that essentially there is, they found out that Tatooine is actually promised to somebody else. So now they're not fighting for it anymore and neither is Boba. And surprisingly, they've kind of turned around and even offered some advice saying that, listen, you're not going to want to be here and neither, and we don't want to be here and is actually telling Boba Fett that he should abandon his post here essentially. What's interesting is they actually offer him a peace offering gift and that comes in the form of big monster pet thing (laughs) he's just this grotesque crazy monster with a huge mouth that is ferocious but is also a baby and he's basically going to imprint on boba and become his new partner in crime pet tool type thing that's cool very interesting i hope it's not the last time we see the twin jabas because again they they pop off screen and they're very entertaining to see 
uh, I, I never was that into Jabba the Hutt themselves, but the twins really work for me. Oh, yeah. They also offer Black Chewbacca as an offering uh, of tribute, uh, is what they say. And basically, Boba Fett decides what can happen to him. Uh, to the dismay of everybody else around him, he actually ends up setting him free, offering him just a little bit of advice that, you know, I've been there, just don't work for scumbags, essentially. So I, I hope that what we see with this character is a full turnaround. I I think that this is an awesome, like, B-team that's being created in the background, or maybe Suicide Squad would be more accurate to say. <laughs> but, yeah, essentially, you, you know, you got Boba Fett, Fennec, the two pig guys, Cyberpunk gang, and... Hopefully, we're thinking Black Chewbacca will turn around and be in our gang, too. That would be pretty cool. So, yeah, uh, that's it for now. That's pretty much everything from episodes one through three. Of course, I'm sure there's plenty that I forgot to talk about. My notes on Boba Fett, the series, are super long, but I'm having a, I'm having a lot of fun with this. If I were being honest, I, I wish it was The Mandalorian, but in its absence, I'm okay with getting this. It's a lot better than I expected it to be and a lot more entertaining, honestly. I, d I wonder how much more of these flashback sequences we're going to get before we start to close the gap on real time here and at what point Fennec comes into the fold because their bond seems so strong that you have to think Fennec must be, you know, they must have been together for years. It's kind of hard to tell what the timeline is between those two points, but I'm sure all of that information and more will come to light very soon. This is usually the point of my discussions where I try to make predictions on what's going to happen next in the coming episodes. However, the way that the storyline is unfolding here, we really don't know what's going to be our threats in the following episodes. It's certainly unique in storytelling. Usually you know what your big bads are or what the major stakes are that you're going to set up, and then you make good on those promises with some surprises along the way. But right now we're really just learning things uh, moment to moment and just, you know, there's no really looking ahead. I guess we still need to find out how Boba Fett gets his armor and everything because he doesn't have it in the past at this moment and see how he gets with Fennec and all of that good stuff. But that's all in the background. That's all background information. In terms of the current day plot, it's hard to tell what's going to come around the corner. If I were to make a guess, though, I do think that Fennec has something big coming down the line. I think that she has... She does show a lot of respect to Boba, and she never undercuts him. However, she does often have a slightly different opinion than him and even questions the choices that he makes. I don't know if she'll ever, you know, do an insurgence on him or anything like that, but something like that could be certainly possible for her character down the road. Or she could just continue to be fiercely loyal, and I guess a good number two would question your things to make sure that all your decision-making is on point. All right, guys, that's bringing my conversation to a close. Are you watching Book of Boba Fett? Are you caught up? I know I'm a little bit behind, but I'll watch the next few episodes into the finale, and I'll bring a part two to this conversation out. And if you're listening now, you should definitely go ahead and check out my TikTok and my Instagram. You can check that out at The Daria Show Pod. That is The Daria Show Pod. Check me out. You know, give me some feedback. Maybe check somebody else out. And what should I watch next? I want to hear from you guys. But that's it for me for now, and I love you.